really excited about what Pastor Randy is going to be sharing with our church family today about worship. Worship is really important to us at Connect Church. It's a part of who we are. And it's really important to me personally, as I believe it should be for all followers of Jesus. You know, often when we think of worship, our mind goes immediately to music. I love music. I love the language of music. I love the power of music. You know, there are some sermons that are just better sung than they are spoken. There have been some pivotal times in my life where God spoke to me so clearly through a song, or I was able to pour my heart out to him through a song, and it couldn't have been communicated any other way. Music is a language, and I'm so thankful that God is such a creative artist and that he chooses to speak to us and through us in different ways. We love the moments of corporate worship, like right now, when we come together and we sing our hearts out to the Lord. And we should do that, absolutely we should, but we shouldn't let that perspective and the principles of worship just stay right here. It says in Psalm 40, verse one through three, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now the new song that David is given here, it comes from a heart of worship. Worship is a way of life for him and it should be for us as well. When we understand how good and right it is for the created to praise the creator, the redeemed to praise the redeemer, the delivered to praise the deliverer, then a life of praise and worship just makes sense. Then we have a perspective of gratefulness that God gave us the ability to praise him. Worship is expressed in more than just music. Worship is a lifestyle. And that's a lot of the heart of what Pastor Randy is gonna be sharing today. So don't wait. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Worship him today and every day with your life for who he is, because it's not about you. It's all about him. Hey, Connect Church. I'm Pastor Randy, and Pastor Jason just preached the message and gave you the connection point. And I'm grateful he did, but I want to share a little bit deeper about what worship means to us at Connect Church, and for those of you online, what you can do at home, but also what worship means to us all through our lives. He talked about King David having a heart of worship and being a worshiper, and, and uh, that's an awesome thing. We're going to talk a little bit about what King David told us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit today, but I have a question for you. Have you ever really struggled with getting a gift for someone who just seems to have everything? Come on now. You're just wondering about that, right? And uh, last month, my mother had her 85th birthday, and, and the family got together for her, and we were like, uh, what do we get her, you know? She's, she's a really blessed lady. My dad has left her in a really great place. And, and so, so we were like, what do we get her? And we, uh, so I don't know, we got her earrings or something she likes, but we couldn't really figure out much to get her. And, and sometimes I think we struggle with that when we come to worship. The real question there is, what can I possibly give to the God of the universe? What does the God of universe want or need that I could give him? Little Randy and Killian Road and Akron, Ohio, right? 
When you think about how vast and immeasurable and life, uh, timeless and, and eternal he is, what, what could I give him? What could he want from me? Well, there's some things that we come to mind as a church. We talk about giving him our tithes or offerings or, or going out and, and serving someone with the love of Jesus, which is awesome. Our community uh, outreach team does that. Or, or just helping someone in our own life, in our office or our home or whatever, being a blessing to them. That can be an offering to the Lord. But I want to suggest that God wants our worship more than anything. And he wants us as worshiper. He wants our hearts, our lives, our uh, to be surrendered, that, that we would just give all of ourselves to him. And, and through that action, we demonstrate what we truly call worship. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Romans 12 says, and Pastor Jason mentioned this a couple weeks ago, give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So giving ourselves to him in all aspects of life Pastor Jay just said it. That's what we want to talk about today. This is our truest worship. One of the phrases I've been using in my own life and with a worship team, some, and we'll see it on the screen here, is that worship involves realizing the goodness of God and responding to him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want you to keep two words in mind here today. Realizing and responding. Knowing and doing. See that? Those are two things. When we, when we know about God, we worship him. And that's basically what, what Psalm uh, 100 talks about. And King David wrote this as a hymn. It's actually a song. It's a psalm. And I want to look at that today with you. Understanding that can really help us in our quest to worship God with our lives and to, to give the God of the universe something that's worthy of him. Now, the whole Bible is a book of worship, but we're going to look at Psalm 100. And uh, as I said, it's a poem, and we're going to read it together here. So when you see it on the screen, I just want you at home or here in person. Let's read it online together. Ready? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Oh, wait, 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 wait. How many of you read kids' books to your kids that way? Come on, let's read it. Here we go. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Sorry about that. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We're going to be in this psalm. That's the whole psalm. It's a great psalm to memorize. It's a good, we're going to be in it today, and you might want to keep your Bibles open to that. Here's our vision. Let's remember this. You're going to see this. We realize the goodness of God, and we respond to him in worship. Got that? We realize, we respond. Well, here we go. Let's start with verse 1. He says, To make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Other translations translate this. Shout! To the Lord, all the earth. You know, our worship can, and it should at times, just be loud. And we were just loud, right? To get, get, get out there and do it. But not only by a sound system or music, but our lives should be loud by the way we express our worship. Make a joyful noise. Why is it that we'll go to a concert or maybe a party or a ball game, and whoever we're cheering for, man, we will cheer, Right? And there's always that person that cheers a little bit too much, right? No, they're making a joyful noise. Thank you. They're loud, right? 
But yet, when it comes to God, we kind of get quiet. Now, I know it's the Bible says be still and to be reverent and all that, but it also says to make a joyful noise. So one of the things we do in worship is we shout to the Lord, right? In worship, it's not only okay, but it's commanded. Make a joyful noise, shout to the Lord. Philippians 2 says there's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, everybody's going to be making a noise that says Jesus is Lord. We get to do that today as his people. And I don't want you to hold back on that. Well, the psalm doesn't just say shout to the Lord, but it also says this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So the next thing I want to talk about that we do in worship is we sing in his presence. Now, some of you are like, eh. time out. One of the things I do not do is sing. You're going to have to take that up with God. He's the one that said to sing, right? Some of you are like, if I start singing, the church is going to empty out real fast, right? It's okay because if you make a joyful noise, it's what God hears. It's not what I care about the church hearing. Now, if it really empties out, we'll deal with that later. I was in a church once, and there was a man who could sing one note, and he sang it very loudly all the time. But he was worshiping the Lord. And people would come and say, we need to do something. We are a smaller church than this. And it was like, you could hear him. And I'm like, he's worshiping the Lord. What do you want me to do? He's making a joyful noise. The Lord hears his heart, right? And it got a little, don't worry about that. I doubt any of you are there. But the point is, is that you should be singing when you come into this building or when you're sitting at home and we're worshiping the Lord. Well, that's easy for you to say, Randy, you sing. No, it's easy for God to say that one of the ways that we express our worship is to sing. So don't be caught not singing. Worship's also about connecting with him. Where do we sing? In his presence. Friends, it's not about you when you come to worship. It's about him. It's not about you being with us, worshiping together, as wonderful as that is, and community's a great thing at Connect Church and all that. But when we sing, we sing in his presence. I'm not singing for you. I'm not singing just to lead you. I'm singing because he's worthy of my song and it's in his presence. Never show up to a time of worship and expect God to show up for you in your presence. Always show up in his presence. We honor the Lord and give him first place in our lives. He does bless us. He does encourage us. He does heal us. There are things that we get out of worship. There are benefits. But ideally, the very first place we come is to him in his presence. Let me put it this way. Years ago, there was a worship leader that came into a church, a guest worship leader. Uh, I heard this story, and, and he, he led worship, and he sang, and it was a really different style of music than maybe what some of the people liked, and, and as, as the people were walking out, the pastor was by the door, just greeting people, and one of the church members came by and said, Pastor, that was a great message, but, but that guy that, that did the music today, I guess, I didn't like any of that music, and I didn't get anything out of it. And the pastor was kind. He said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but who did you think the worship was for? And he was kind about it, but the point is, folks, it's about Jesus and it's about him. If you leave here today and you don't get something out of this service, it's okay. But it's not okay if you don't leave him something. And that's a song and some other things that we're going to be talking about because it's his presence that we look at, right? No one should be sitting back and listening. And I know we have rough days. I get that. But the psalm says the shout and to sing. And it also says this, one of the other ways we worship is to serve him with gladness. 
With gladness, worship and service cannot be separated. When you're worshiping or serving someone, you're worshiping God. And when you're serving the Lord, you're worshiping him. Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about, about how uh, people give a cup to someone to help them of cold water or food because they're hungry or they go to visit them when they're sick or in prison. And Jesus says about that, he says, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. So serving the Lord is about serving others. And here at Connect, we like to say, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving others. I love that. But here's the deal. In Psalm 100, this is a little bit of a different aspect. It's about serving him with gladness, right? Another way of saying this is like in Psalm 96. It says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. You see, it's about what we do for him that serves him. Imagine that, that we could serve the God of the universe. What's due him his glory and honor and praise. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our worship. But not only do we serve the Lord, but we're supposed to serve him a certain way. And how is that? With gladness. Sorry, sour faces. You're not worshiping. No one wants to go to lunch today and have that server that's having a bad day and takes it out on us while we're trying to get our food, right? Why would it be any different with God when we're serving him our meal of worship? Why would he want us to come and be like, well, whatever, you're having a bit. No, he wants us to come with gladness, with joy. I am not like overall the happiest person and always jovial, you know, the Santa Claus guy with the white beard that's always got a smile on his face. But when I come to worship, I come with thanksgiving and praise and I'm glad because of what God has done for me. Some of you need to raise the bar on that if this is getting to you because you're not glad about the Lord. Why is it that we struggle with gladness? You know, if we truly realize who God is, we're going to serve him, and we're going to serve him with gladness. There's a few other things this psalm says about doing for the Lord, responding to the Lord. Let's jump down to verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This seems pretty straightforward, but let me just say here that the word enter here in the Hebrew is the same word that was used earlier when we read come into his presence. We're all supposed to come or enter with thanksgiving and with praise. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Randy, you know, have no idea what it took for me to get here today. Just getting the kids up, getting ready, getting out the door, getting breakfast in there somewhere with some of them, getting them all in the car with shoes on, getting them out of the car, getting them into the church, cross the parking lot without being unsaved, getting them checked in, right? Getting them down, oh wait, we had to stop and go to the bathroom one more time, then getting them down to the end of class. Then I'd like to get a cup of coffee on my way. I get it, right? You're not really entering with Thanksgiving at that point, are you? No one, no one has that problem? I don't even have kids and I have that problem, right? But I suggest that if we'll take just a few minutes whenever we come to a worship place in our lives or into Connect Church or to get online and join us, think about God with one thing, something that he's done, something that he's doing in your life, and be thankful, and that will help us to enter into his courts with praise. So worship that gives thanks and blesses the Lord, let me share a couple of things about that. And we'll move on to that uh, verse in just a second. But when we bless the Lord, when we give thanks to his name, it's like this. A grateful person 
is a surrendered person. Let me say that again. A grateful person is a surrendered person. I can't be grateful and be all about me. But if I'm grateful to you for something, that puts me in a lower place because you have done something for me. So when we come to God and we're on our own pedestal, we can't be grateful to him. But we can be grateful to him when we say, I am worthless and hopeless without you, God. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. That's my testimony that you've brought me from death to life. And so I worship. That's giving thanks. And also, blessing his name means that my name is not blessed. Now, I can be blessed by him, but I'm not the blessed one when we come to worship. He's the blessed one. I'm not the one the direction goes to. It's him that the direction goes to. And we lift up his name. And that comes from humble hearts. Not just surrendered hearts, but humble hearts. It's not all about me. It's all about him. So, we've looked really briefly at several ways that we can worship the Lord. Let's look at those again. Here they are. Shout to the Lord. Sing in his presence. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter with praise and thanksgiving. Give thanks and bless his name. Now I want to find out real quickly, and I'm sorry I'm rushing through this, but it's because we want to spend some time worshiping the Lord later, okay? We're going to look at the opposite side of that. These are all ways we respond in worship. Let's look what realizing worship looks like. What does David say about knowing God, right? In the psalm, he talks about knowing the Lord. You're not going to be able to worship the Lord with gladness and with joy and with any kind of understanding unless you come to know the Lord. And Pastor Jason has said it. I don't want to rehash it, but there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone, right? Everybody get that? Here's the deal. Some of us are like, I'll start more devotions. I'll be better at it. I'll be better at connecting with God tomorrow. Or I'm going to start a plan next week. Or I need to work on that in my life. You, you, we hear that all the time. As long as you wait to know about or know God, you're only going to know about him. And when tomorrow comes, you're only going to know about him. And the next day comes, you're only going to know about him unless you start to get to know him today. Don't do it tomorrow. You'll never get to know God unless you start to begin to know him today. And he wants to be close to you. The God of the universe wants to know me. I certainly want to know him. So let's jump back into the psalm here. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Here's some things we should know. Really basic and rudimentary, but I want to just help to center our lives a little bit on who really God is. The first thing is, is to know is that he is God. Right? The verse of the Hebrew here is, know that he is Yahweh. And Yahweh is the only name of God that is his own all the other names he gives himself can be used by other gods, right? For the most part, the El Shaddai and the Elohim and all that, were, they used El for other gods around them in that culture. This name was what he gave to Moses and he said, I am, the, I, I am that I am. I am Yahweh. And so when we see this here, he's saying, I am the God, not a God. And that's important for that culture, and it's important for us. How many of you think that there are gods with little G's all around us, right? In our own lives, in our neighbor's lives, in the way our culture lives, in the way the world lives. There are little G gods all over the place. You know, resources, time, money, to have a good crop for farmers, right? To keep my house safe, I'll bury something in my backyard so I can sell my house. Those are all little gods, right? This is saying, know that he is God in all well, in English, all capitals, 
G-O-D, none like him, right? As long as there's a little G in my life, I can't fully worship him. And I'm also saying that I don't really know that you're God yet, I kind of know of you as the God. You gotta give up your own gods and turn to him. He is God and I am not. Would you say that with me? He is God and I am not. All right, let's move on. He also says it's, it's, not, it's he who made us, not we ourselves. Friends, he is the creator. This should be a given to us as believers. We should know this. But I want to push us a little bit on this. Think about this. You and I are created by the creator of the universe. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. I have been given forethought and purpose and meaning in my creation. And the God, capital G-O-D, of the universe thinks about me because he created me. If that doesn't like cause your heart to stir a little bit, you need to get to know him better. Not just about him. The God of the universe made you. Made you. Well, I didn't do a very good job. No, 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 no. He is the creator. We are not. Well, that does change some things. There's an opposite side to that. If he's the creator, right, and I'm not just some chance thing of cells and molecules and stuff kind of forming and coming together over a billion years, and I know some of us feel like we look like that, but friends, we are telling him he's not God and he's not creator if we put ourselves down. It's him. We are his creation. A little bit later, we're going to see that he's good. And if he's good, what does that make me? As a creation, he looks at me and he says, it's good. Friends, some of you need to hear that today. He's your creator. Rejoice in that. Don't worry about it. He's good, and he created you. He's the creator. I am not. Would you say that? He's the creator. I am not. One more thing there. We tend to want to create and make our own destiny in life. And American culture says that we should create our own destiny. And I'm here to say I think that's really a lie. It's not that I shouldn't work out my salvation. I shouldn't work to be all that God wants me to be. But I can't breathe my next breath without him. I can't make my next heartbeat go. Right? He is the creator, not me. Some of you think you're a whole lot more in charge of your life than you are. Look at him. Next, it says, know that we are his people. That's what the scripture says, and this is awesome. Know that we're his. I, I, I'm gonna tell you the truth. People who are redeemed and adopted into God's family, that's an awesome thing because you see, our sins separate us from a holy God. And we're like orphans, not having a family, a place to go. And then the awesome truth is the Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ, has paid the price for our sin. And he's purchased us and bought us back into his family. His family. We are owned by him. We are his. Again, don't let that get past you. The God of the universe claims you. If you know Jesus, you, that's amazing. I love that about my God. We no longer have to do this thing in our life called, uh, uh, our, our, this thing called life on our own. We get his help and his attention and his purpose. And he freely gives that gift of eternal life to us 
and calls us his own. We are his, we are not our own. Would you say that with me? We are his, we are not our own. Isn't that awesome? And then here's similar to that. Know that we are the sheep of his pasture. Here he has a little bit of a more ownership there. And, and you get the idea there that sheep are like stupid, right? They really are. I'm sorry. But when they know the voice of their shepherd, when they know their shepherd, they behave differently. There was like a thousand sheep out of, um, I'm going blank here, but it was, it was in the Far East. I think it was maybe... It was a big city. We'll just say Sydney, Australia. I think it was somewhere over there. And there was a thousand sheep in a flock, and the, something happened to the shepherds, and they had to leave in an emergency. It only took an hour for that thousand sheep to move right into the middle of downtown Sydney and stop all of traffic. They didn't know what they were doing, right? But as soon as the shepherds came back and they called out, the sheep all followed them right out of the city. Sheep need their shepherd, and we have a shepherd, and we're people of his pasture. He's there for us. We're just silly sheep. He's the shepherd. I'm just the sheep. Would you say that? He's the shepherd. I'm just the sheep. Let's be Christ dependent, shepherd dependent rather than dependent upon ourselves. And then uh, one other thing to know, let's jump down a couple of things actually. The Lord is good. Let's look at this. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Here's another thing that, that if we know it will really impact our, our, our worship. I'm sorry. So know that he is good. Right? Good. Isn't that a good word? <laughs> Isn't that a good word? And I'm not even sure how to define it, but we all aspire to good, right? We want a good cup of coffee or we want good meals or we want a good family, good relationships. We want, want a good job. We, we want a great, good vacation. All of that, right? How do you define good? Well, I, I don't mean to be trite, but could I define good for you? It's right here. Good equals God. Nothing that is good did not come from the Father. Anything that's good comes, if you want good, you look to him, right? God, he is good. And I want you to understand something about this. And we, we kind of know that. But he's perfect love. He's uh, 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 honestly just. He's completely righteous. There's, all of him is light. There is no darkness in him. There's no evil in him. He is perfectly holy. He is good. And here's the deal. If he's good, then he can't do anything bad. We forget about that about God. He can't do anything bad. And, and, and I want to push this home to some of you because you're struggling in your life with something today. Or you've had something happen in your life where you're like, does God even care about me? How could God allow that to happen to me? But the moment that God would do something bad to you would be the moment that he ceased to be God. He can only be good. That's why the scriptures say that all things work for good to those who love him and call his name. And I want you to hear this from my heart and from the Lord's heart today to your heart. He cannot sin against you. God cannot do anything bad to you or he would cease to be God. Does he allow bad and evil? Sure, I get all of that, but he works through it. But it's not God's fault. He is only good or he's not God. Don't blame him. Lean into him when life is hard, when things are tough. Don't let Satan say that's all God's fault. It's not God's fault. Satan knows that. But do you know it? Some of you need to know today that anything and everything in your life is good 
It's coming from God. That's another thing, too. Anything that's good for me, I'm not the one who created it. I don't make a good meal. I can. But it's because God gave me the meal to make. He gave me the stuff to make it with. God provided all the resources, the know-how, the smarts, whatever, right? Good cup of coffee. You might think you're the barista of all ages, but God has provided. He grew the bean that makes that coffee. Let's not forget that it's God that's good and he gives good things to us, right? The Lord is good. Would you say that with me? The Lord is good. I know you know that, but we should worship that way. And here's one other thing. Know that his love and his faithfulness last forever. His love and his faithfulness last forever. I want you to catch on something. There's no one who has ever lived in past and there's no one who's living now and there's no one who will ever live in the future that is apart from the love and the faithfulness of God. You are not separated from God's love and faithfulness today, but there's just never been a time because he's always been, and so his love and his faithfulness has always been. He didn't like grow in love and faithfulness or we're worried about him waning in it, you know, those days that you have a bad day and it's harder to love and be faithful to the people around you. God doesn't have any of that. He's always steadfastly faithful from generation to generation. And his love is perfect. Remember, he's good. His steadfastness, it's, it's wonderful. So if you find yourself coming to worship at any time and you need something to steady your life on, to put your life upon that makes some sense, you know, there's an old hymn that says, I'm Christ the solid rock I stand, but all other ground is sinking sand. That's life. Things are always, God, that's life in America in 2023, amen? It's just like, where are we? (laughs) He is steadfast in his love and his faithfulness. Put your faith and your hope in him. So if you're looking for something like that, generation upon generation has found him to be faithful. We can too. So we did some things that we do in worship. Here's some things that we know in worship. Let's go down this list. He is God. He's the creator. We are his. We are his our, our, he is our shepherd. He is good. And his love and his faithfulness last forever. There's a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets a woman and it's a Samaritan woman and and he asks her for a drink and there's a whole bunch of dynamics going on. But they end up somehow talking about worship. And so this lady, knowing that he's a Jewish person, so he would worship in the Jewish way and and she's a Samaritan and she worships, she says, "What's, what's the right way and what's the right place to worship? Jesus gives an amazing answer to her. And I want to close a little bit with this thought. He says this, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. What we just saw in Psalm 100 is truth, the things we should know, and spirit, the way we should worship, right? You see it? We, um, we are revealed truth, and then we respond in worship. We realize truth and we respond in worship. See, this is a Bible thing. And it's that when we know something, we do something. And that's what our worship at church is about. But I want you to notice one more thing here. (laughs) What does this mean for us individually as a church? And here's the next slide. I'm jumping ahead there. We do worship based on what we know about him. We do worship him based on what we know about him. You know what strikes me about that answer that Jesus gave is he said this. Look at it again. The Father is looking for those who will worship him this way in spirit and truth. I want you to see something. When you think about what do you give the God of the universe, 
He is not looking primarily for worship. It says it here. He is looking for worshipers. You see, he can get worshipped by the angels and, and by all, all of creation worships him, right? He's looking when he seeks. Jesus said he's seeking, the Father's seeking for worshipers. And I'm wondering today, church, when you come today and the Father's looking, will he find you a worshiper of him? Will your heart be one that he goes, there's my worshiper. There's the one who loves me today with all that they have. There's the one that cares about me. There's one who's never sung before, but he's singing today. I see that because he loves me and he wants to follow my word. So let me ask you this. What did you bring with you to church today? Hurt? Brokenness? A struggle of some kind? A deep breath because you just made it through a week? We all come with something. None of those are things that God wants. He's willing to deal with them because he loves us as a father. He loves us. What he wants is our worship. And he wants us to have hearts and to be the worshipers that he's calling us to be. And Psalm 100 just gives us a little snippet into what that can mean in our lives. So I guess the question is, what did you bring to the king today would be more important when we come in. What did I bring for my God? If you're redeemed, you're saved, you're part of his family, I'm so grateful that you are. I just want you to know that because you are his, you have reason to worship today. Don't hold back as we sing here in a few minutes. Don't stop and go, well, that's for somebody else. You be the one that's worshiping. He's looking for you. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you get to worship him because he's free to go into his presence. If you haven't placed your faith and love in Jesus and in God, I'm going to suggest that you really don't have much to celebrate or be joyful about today in the way of worship because you only maybe know of God, but you really don't know him. You're not in a relationship with him yet. But that can all change if you truly believe that he's God and he's creator and that you want to be his today and that you need a shepherd in your life. You want to be able to enter with God and understand what it means to have a close relationship with him. All you got to do is ask him. And we have people with yellow lanyards on that are going to be up here, and they'd be glad to talk to you after the service today. But you don't need anybody to get to, Jesus, to God besides Jesus. You can just tell him right now, I want you to be Lord of my life. I, I want to turn my life over to you, Lord. Have you forgiven me of my sins and give me the gift of life, and I will worship you forever. That's what worship is, and that's what we're grateful for. And I hope that you do that today. So no, worship is an amazing thing that we need to be doing and we base it on what we're knowing. And I don't think we always make that connection when we come to church. What is it that God wants to show me today and then worship him because of that? What's really going on in that song that we've sung maybe 12 times before? What do those words say? They're talking about what we should know about God so that we will worship him. Don't let that go by. I've been singing songs for a long time. And there are verses of hymns that go by and I go, I forgot that about God. That's awesome. I haven't thought about that verse in a long time. Don't let a song go by, a scripture go by without informing you about God so that you can respond to him in worship. Pastor Jay said something really important at the end of his video. Worship is not about us. It's all about him. Would you say that? Worship is not about us. It's all about him. If you believe that with me today, 
then we can, we can worship. And so my connection point is this. Don't wait until tomorrow to worship. Give yourself to him and worship today. Would you pray with me? Father, it's truly amazing that you would want to have a relationship with us and be present with us today in worship. But more importantly, we want to come into your presence with worship. And no matter what we're personally going through today, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't change the fact that you are God and that you are good, that you're the creator and the shepherd and that we are yours and that we get to worship the God of the universe. We don't have much to give, Lord, but what we have, we give you. It's our hearts and our lives. We surrender to you and we humble ourselves to you. And we want you to find us here as you seek your worshipers. We want you to find us joyfully and loudly singing your praise. And Lord, we want you to find us offering ourselves to you. So meet us here now as we sing for a while and hear our praise as we worship in Jesus' name.